But whose fault is it for living in a third world country Excuse in the me? north? Uh, I live in Washington, okay? So I'm not really oh. a third world country. Oh, okay, my. a third world state. Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, my. <laughs> and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, I have our chivalry of Shota's Shotaro. Take a survey, get a reward. <laughs> and back from self-imposed exile, we have a special guest joining us tonight for this episode of the podcast. You may have known him as the master of Monster Girls if you've listened to this podcast for a long time. Yes, he's back, the founder of Anime Club After Dark, Mr. Marcus. Welcome back. Thank you guys for having me on. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a while. It's been, what, two years? Yeah, it's uh, it's been somewhere near two years. Maybe a little more, a little less, but it's definitely around that time frame. And you may be asking, why is he on tonight? Well, tonight is a very special episode of the podcast because we are doing our 2019 award show. Yes, it is the Finney Awards, named after our illustrious uh, mascot of this podcast, Finn. Uh, So, uh, I don't think uh, there's really anything else to say except uh, let's get into it. Are you guys ready to do the first award? Let's go. Oh, yeah. All right, so the first award we are giving out tonight is for Best Opening of 2019. The nominees for this award are Gurenge by Lisa from Demon Slayer, Inferno by Mrs. Green Apple from Fire Force, Kayan by, oh God, I'm going to butcher this, Zio Vaichi from Dororo, uh, Mukanjo by Survives of the Prophet from Vinland Saga, and finally, Touch Off by Uverworld from The Promise Neverland. So, guys, um, what what do we think about the openings that we have this year? I mean, I recognize three of them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I have to say, this year was actually a really good year for openings, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, uh, there was a lot of really good ones. I just, it really, when it came down to, like, you know, trying to narrow them down it was like well which ones are the best versus which ones that i felt went really well with the show yeah um i i I will say i said that it was a good year it was it was a good it was a good year for for ops but it was a particularly good year for opening songs um there were a lot of really good just you know ignoring the animation that goes into them um there was a lot of really good opening songs this year um from more than just got nominated but i all of these all of these songs i fucking love um and all of these are from shows i, I genuinely like except maybe fire force it's kind of wow. nah. but um <laughs> but now like they're all they're all really really good um and i like how so many of the well all of the ones that we nominated here really fit their shows particularly well especially Gorenge from demon slayer and um Kayan from dororo i i don't know why but okay, I've only seen nine episodes of Demon Slayer, but I don't think that the OP fits the... Really? No, it's so like pop 
Whereas the actual I, show is so like gritty. So it's like I understand where things. he's coming from with this one because I remember watching the intro the first few times and being like like first like ten episodes, honestly, I was just like it's whatever. But the more I watched it and the more I listened to the actual just song by itself, the more I eventually started to see, okay, I know why they picked this because this is more than just a normal shonen. Like, you know, it's got a lot of elements to it that just, you know, make it a little bit different. And that's why it doesn't have just a normal, like, shonen intro. Like, I wouldn't consider this a normal shonen intro. It doesn't really I feel like it. Well, it's not, it's not a normal shonen either. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I will say that the animation in the Demon Slayer OP is top-notch. Um, and in addition, the animation in the Fire Force OP was also top-notch. And I think yeah, that really pushed those I mean, two OPs I've only seen that one time. Nominated. Bless, b- bless David Production, am I right? Yes. Uh, I, I mean, anything else to say before we actually uh, crown a winner in this category? Or... Uh... No, just go ahead and uh, <laughs> give it to him. <laughs> all right. Well, as good as all of these five are that were nominated, we are giving our award for best opening of 2019 to Kayan by, oh God, I'm going to fucking butcher this again, Zio Vachi for Dororo. Um, I think we ended up choosing this mostly because it fits really well with the anime that it goes with. Um, its animation is pretty good and it also has the distinction of since Dororo is a remake of a very old anime it actually recycles footage from the original anime into its op oh, that's interesting and that was pretty unique i, I feel like the only so, other anime uh, that does that is like conan and that's not really really oh, using animations but it's using ideas that oh we haven't seen that for like how many episodes now like he hasn't used the yeah. skateboard in forever but they'll show it in the intros all the time yeah i mean it it was, it was just a really nice touch and this as a total package i think that kyan was was a really great op and definitely deserving of of the award i haven't even all right, so moving on okay <laughs> <laughs> so next award we have is the best ending and the nominees are sayonara goko by amazurashi from Dororo, uh, Stand By Me by The Peggies from Sarah Zanmai, Torches by Aimer from Vinland Saga, Tranquility by Hiroyuki Suwano featuring Anli from The Legend of the Galactic Heroes, The New Thesis 2, and finally Veil by Kena Suda from Fire Force. So what do we think about these nominations? Torches gives me the feels like so bad. <laughs> Definitely does. I just love the song. I love. I absolutely love the song itself. Um, it it's so like cozy and warm, and it makes me just feel good listening to it. It also helps that the uh the visuals for that ED are pretty fucking cozy too. I mean, I wouldn't really call them cozy. They're pictures of the snow, <laughs> but they are quite beautiful. Yeah, I mean it's. It, it's basically visages of, of Iceland, which goes really well with Vinland Saga, especially at the first half of Vinland Saga. Um, really, really well. And I don't know. Snow can be comfy. Fuck you. Girl, when you live in snow, you learn that it isn't. Yeah, comfy. you start to kind of turn on it. <laughs> it's like, like no, 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 it no, looks you don't like comfy, it but it really isn't. 
But whose fault is it for living in a third world country Excuse in the me? north? Uh, I live in Washington, okay? So I'm not really oh. a third world country. Oh, okay, my. a third world state. Excuse me. Excuse me? Oh, my. <laughs> um, I want to give a shout out to the Sarah Zanmai ending for... Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, blending together 3D and 2D in a disco frenzy. Um, loved that art choice and also loved the song. So... I, that's why we nominated that one because it was definitely stood out from the norm. Yeah, God, like that that entire ED just gives me so many Monogatari vibes. Like I, I could genuinely like if you replace the characters that appear in that, I could genuinely see this being something like a Monogatari ED. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole show is very Monogatari. It's true. And we have a tranquility in here, which um, the actual visuals are not that great because it's basically just a panning of one still image but it is Hiroyuki Sawano so obviously who is a fucking god the song is extraordinary so the song carries the ending yeah you know I've said this before in the podcast but the song matters so much more for the ending than it does for the OP like an ED can just be can literally just be a still image as long as the song is banging, it's memorable. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good visuals for an ED are just icing on an already good cake. And um, in contrast to the Legend of the Galactic Heroes' lack of visuals, we have Fire Forces' abundance of visuals for their ED in Veil, which tells its own story. Perhaps an overabundance, you might say. Um, some may say that. Um, I don't necessarily disagree, but yeah, I mean, this wasn't my choice, but I'm assuming we put this on here because it's, it tells its own story. It adds yeah, it's, it's an ED that tells a story that doesn't, arc. that isn't really told by the show. So always love more content, especially in an ED that normally, I mean, EDs in general don't have a lot of effort in them. So this one definitely went the extra mile. Yep. So the winner of this category is actually Torches by Aimer from Vinland Saga. Comf, comf. Um, as you said, the visuals are amazing. The actual song itself is emotional as hell. Um, I love Aimer. Her voice is great. She does a great performance in this ending. And honestly, the combination of uh, the song and the visuals, perfect. Amazing truly impactful i agree so i think uh Yay. that's all for this one perfect well uh next one we have here is the best soundtrack and score and uh we're gonna start off with carol and tuesday then we have demon slayer then we have jojo's bizarre adventure part five because we need more of those golden wind <laughs> <laughs> then we also have pro mare and sarazanmai and uh, what do you guys think of the entire, you know, this year of soundtracks? Because honestly, for me, it's been a awesome year for music. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a great year for soundtracks and scores and anime. I think um, just th- th- I don't know if it's a trend, but I, I've actually seen this over the last couple of years that just the amount of detail and so- effort that's gone into anime soundtracks and scores seems to be getting better and better every year. And I really hope that's a trend that continues. Yeah. Um, one of the ones on here that uh, it, it took me a little bit of time to get into it 
was the you know the JoJo soundtrack, which you know it's funny. I was watching it with uh, one of my friends, and he was like, "Oh, let's just keep using the same theme over and over and over." And I was just like, "It's a good theme. I don't need it to be different." Okay, <laughs> it works with to, uh, you know what's going on. To be on. fair, that's kind of that's kind of par for the course with JoJo's at this point. Like they they have like a part theme, and they use it a lot. Yeah. Like they did the same thing with part four and part three. Not so much with parts one and two, though. Part yeah, the, it, JoJo's was an entirely different beast in the first season. Like it doesn't really, I don't even consider it really like the same show. It's the same characters, but I mean, when we start season three, one of the main characters is already like a grandpa at that point. So it's like okay, <laughs> so I guess we're starting here. <laughs> but uh, one thing, yeah, I did, the, the, Go ahead. The, the, uh, I think I, I get what you're saying though. It kind of took a little while to get into the to, to the part five soundtrack for JoJo's because it is it is the same person who's worked on it for the last few parts, mm-hmm. but it's it's got its own little like it's it's got its own little beat to it. Kind of like how part five itself is like its own little special special kid in kindergarten. That actually <laughs> took me. It's kind of weird because JoJo's part five itself took me a long time to actually get into. Like mm-hmm. uh, I I tried to watch it when it was airing first off, and it was just. I mean, JoJo's is like this. With, if it's not finished, I almost don't want to watch it because I <laughs> hate JoJo's cliffhangers. They're like the worst cliffhangers. And you can't watch weekly because you know that, like, all right, we just got done with this two episode. I know the next episode's going to have a cliffhanger because that's how JoJo's is. It's at least two to three episodes per fight. Yeah. And um, but, um, it's, in, ter- in, term- in terms of the soundtrack, it is it is a banger by the end of it. Oh, yeah. And but we got to talk about Carol and Tuesday show. Yes, actually, two of these nominations were nominated, especially for their insert songs, Carol and Tuesday and Sarah's and I, where the characters mm. themselves are participating in the soundtrack, um, yes. which turned out to be a great idea. There are some shows that do this not so well, uh, but that is <laughs> not life. the case for these nominees. Um, Car- you and I, you and I talked about this when we did our spoiler cast for Carolyn Tuesday, um, and I, I completely agree with this when you brought it up. That a lot of the songs that are done, the insert songs that are done in Carolyn Tuesday, sound like songs you might actually hear on the radio. They actually do, and it's some that's of the, impressive. Especially the English is fluent. Um, it's yes. some, some of the most uh, fluent and well produced songs I've heard in a anime in maybe ever. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just it just kind of goes to show that um, the director of Carolyn Tuesday, um, Watanabe, he has a a great respect and admiration for Western music, and it really shines through in this anime. Definitely from the plot and the music, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, we we just got talk, done talking about Hiroyuki Suwano. I think he's got to get another shout out here for producing the entire soundtrack for Premiere, which was uh, Trigger's first foray into feature length animation. Uh, absolutely hit it straight out of the park. Almost every song on that soundtrack is an absolute banger. Especially it's I guess you would say it's it's OP um, Inferno, which is kind of funny because. Inferno is also the title of Fire Force Soapy. Um, but everything from from the, the smallest little character theme to just that OP itself is just an absolute banger. And it just it's it's a soundtrack that starts at 10 and ends at 21. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> so it can only go up 11. 
it goes yeah. past 11 sir it, it goes past 11 speaking of insert songs it's just a real quick thing i wanted to mention uh even though it's not on our list here for best soundtrack overall because while it does have a few it's not that you know amazing um dr stone has a very great insert song at the end um i'm not going to go too far into it because it is a little bit of a spoiler but that basically was one of those where i went out of my way to like find this song because it's a full english song that doesn't suck (laughs) some of the times when you're watching like you know japanese whatever and then you hear the english it's like english or it's not that great because you're like "Eh, it's whatever you know they're just trying to you know put it in but this was done by like an actual female singer who did a really great job of like really impacting what this show is about but uh yeah going back to this anything else you guys wanted to mention on you know best soundtrack or score why is Demon Slayer nah, here? Nah, put a bow on. <laughs> Please explain. Oh, yeah. oh, you want to talk about Demon Slayer? I want to talk about episode 19 of Demon Slayer, but we're well, going to get to that later. Yeah, we will definitely talk about that. But yeah, so uh, you know, all of these five, you know, they're good. But we decided to go with uh, Carol and Tuesday. And uh, yes. I don't have enough definitely. to say about it because I haven't seen it or heard it. So that's definitely. Kind of a... def- it, it, the entire thing is on Netflix now, I think, just about everywhere outside of Japan. Um definitely give it a shot if if for nothing else then it's fantastic music if you haven't yet awesome well uh next we have best background arc and alex handle it from there <laughs> all right so yeah as you mentioned our next award is for best background art the nominees for this award are demon slayer fire force legend of galactic heroes the new thesis 2 minaria friends and vinland saga so um i let's just get it out of the way uh demon slayer has some phenomenal background art like throughout the entire (laughs) show no matter what setting they're in like all there's so much detail and attention paid to the background art i yeah no when it first starts out with i mean just from the first episode like it you know it's a snowy backdrop and they're in like woods and all that stuff and going from that to the next episode and everything after that there is a slow kind of change of you can tell seasons are changing and every now and then It'll either be snowy or it'll be like woods or anything like that. And just the art style that they have just works really well. And the background itself always seems to pair with what either Tanjiro is doing or whatever's going on with the other characters that they decide to follow. It's just done really well. Yeah. And I particular attention is paid. Like I want to give a definite shout out to this um, in Demon Slayer, both snow and fog are drawn so well. Yes. I was very impressed by how consistent Demon Slayer was in its backdrops because like in every single episode, there's at least two or to four amazingly drawn um, background art, which is more than I expect from any show. So that that quite impressed me. Yeah, one of the, the best examples of that for me was actually... I'm not going to go too far into it, but near the end of... In fact, I think it's the last episode. There's a part where it's showing the main villain talking to some people. And basically, they're in this area where not only are the character designs really unique for the specific part, but the way that entire area was done is just... I mean, it's really well done. Like, I'm sure Alex would agree with me on that. Yeah. Also, I, I forget what, which episode number this is specifically, but there's the episode where Tanjiro goes to the city and just how lively and just beautiful the background in that the backgrounds in yeah, that, that city are done. It's awesome. just unbelievable. I think that was like episode eight or nine. 
I, I, I can't remember the episode number off the top of my head, but that it stands out because just how well that the background art is done when he's walking through the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as for the other nominees, <laughs> there are other nominees, what, uh, of this uh, award. Um, we have Fire Force, which they do uh, occasionally uh, give us some really nice uh, images of the yeah. New Japan. Um, and it's really nice. Um, Props to how well fire is drawn in this show, too. I would hope so, being that it's about firefighters. But This is true. And there's also Legend of the Galactic Heroes, which um, they do some really beautiful, gorgeous uh, images of space. Um, it really puts the show in perspective and really gives a good atmosphere for it. Uh, beautiful images there. And we also have Vinland Saga, which... Um, very similar to Demon Slayer in the setting of snowy woods, um, also has especially in the beginning. Yes, also has uh, some great art of Iceland and Vinland and England. Um, if I if I would say that there's one hiccup for Vinland Saga's art, it's it's water, <laughs> especially on the ocean. Well, I would consider that it's, animation personally. So that maybe magic. I. It, my my issue is that it's inconsistent. Um, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. Is it one of those situations where when the boat's on the water and they're coming towards the camera or you can kind of see, like, you can see the fronts of their faces, the water tends to be a little better, but then when it's from the side, it looks a little meh. Because I've noticed some shows tend to do that where if it's like if you're focusing on them coming in, they tend to put a little more effort towards everything, yet when it's on the side, eh, they're not drawing their faces, so who cares if the water looks kind of crappy? Well, I don't know if it's that in particular. I just, like, there's sometimes where it's CGI and sometimes where it's not. Okay, well, that can also be jarring. <laughs> Demon Slayer. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Um, well, even I do. regardless of the water, the actual um, background images aren't as frequent as Demon Slayer. Mm. Um, so it's a little inconsistent in that way as well. Yeah. The Vinland Saga is, is so much more of a character driven show that you see way more stuff, of, of you know, way more close ups of characters than you do of like the backgrounds and the establishing shots. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the one last thing I do want to touch on before we actually give out the award, I, I it's on this list and you probably didn't hear much about it throughout the year, but I, I definitely wanted this to get a shout out here with Minaria friends. Um, this is a show that aired during the winter season last year and uh, props to it because it looks absolutely gorgeous and it's all hand-drawn. Um, like I said, it didn't get a whole lot of press or a whole lot of coverage while it was out, um, but it is a short series so you can get through it pretty quickly. Um, and I do believe it's on Crunchyroll if you want to. Just just go check it out if for no other reason than to look at its absolutely gorgeous hand-drawn art. Perfect. <laughs> um, other than that, I think it's time to give out the award. So, our award for best background art of 2019 goes to, no surprise here, Demon Slayer. What? Uh... I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I mean, to what? be fair, it had a lot of, like... No, it, he... it was made by UFO Table, so it was like, they have a lot of people that are just really talented, and unfortunately, you can't have them do all the anime for the year. <laughs> no, unfortunately, yes. Yeah. But uh, right. with that, should we move on to the next one? Yeah. Yes, sir. Perfect. So then uh, our next category we have here is actually 
I really hope this is pronounced the way I think it is, the Hitagi Crab Award, trademark by the way, for best episode. And with that, we have Attack on Titan Season 3 Part 2. So this one is titled Hero, it's Episode 5. Uh, next one we have is Demon Slayer Episode 19, Hinakami. The next one we have is Dororo Episode 9, The Story of the Merciless. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5, Golden Wind, Episode 28, Beneath a Sky on the Verge of Falling. And finally, we have Vinland Saga Episode 6, The Journey Begins. And with that, uh, I mean, honestly, all of these are good episodes, but come on, guys. <laughs> I can't be the only one talking about it. I mean, I I, I feel I feel like I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, so I do want to talk uh, briefly about the JoJo's entry for this um that i can't really talk a whole lot about this without spoiling a huge uh story point but i will say um a lot of again bless david production there was a lot of detail uh paid in this episode not only to um the animation but to uh the music and how it was used to kind of tell a story all on its own mm-hmm. and I, I absolutely love when that happens uh, when the music in a an anime or any work, for that matter, can tell a story just by listening to it itself. Um, so that's the reason that I uh, lobbied really, really hard for this to get on the list. I, I really feel like I can't say too much more. Um, yeah, I'm trying to honestly huge try to remember what... Sorry, go ahead. Finish what you're saying. I was, was going to say, I just can't, I really can't talk about this without spoiling a huge plot point. That and the fact that, like... I was going to say, I think I know what episode this is. If not, I mean, there's 39 episodes, so it's one of those things where I know around the part where this episode takes place. If it's the one I'm thinking of, I would also agree this is probably one of, if not the best episode of JoJo's. Just because... Yeah. Well, at the same time, I could be I could be talking about a completely different episode. But I'm just going to assume it's what I think it is. And that entire arc of episodes was honestly pretty good. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, going back to some other ones, uh, show if you want to talk about, you know, your favorite on the list <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, my personal yeah. favorite is the Attack on Titan episode um, because it had multiple emotional climaxes, multiple plot climaxes, and I had multiple climaxes. So this disgusting <laughs> boy, an amazing episode, um, and also the action scenes were just criminally criminally gorgeous in this one of the most memorable action scenes in this episode i mean it's studio wit so were you surprised that it was good looking i was when i was in the moment watching the episode my mouth dropped at how gorgeous it became it was it blew it out of the water for me um uh Fair warning, I am a big Attack on Titan fan, so I might be biased, but it is very good and deserves a nomination, as we have given it. Oh yeah, no, it definitely deserves it. Like, it's up there in the top episodes of the entire year, and in my opinion, I would actually put this one up there, maybe in like the entire decade of just how many episodes, because people were talking about this, like, it was not something that... Just so certain people were like, oh, it's really good because of blah, blah, blah. No, no, like a lot of people were talking about this when it came out. So it's definitely something that deserves its spot on the list here. Mm-hmm. And it's also something that I heard, you know, manga readers like, just wait, just wait, you're going to see it, you're going to see it. <laughs> I hate when they do that because it's like, all right, either you're right and then you're going to rub it in my face or you're overstating it and then I'm going to be disappointed because now you hype me up. So I can't win either way. The only person that wins here is possibly you. 
<laughs> so, we always win. I mean, we all we all win though when it's a great episode. That yes. is something though. You know. Uh, yeah. We, um, uh, props to the Dororo episode that we nominated episode nine, the story of the merciless. Um, I legit cried at the end of this episode. Um, it's really sad, especially because you get to see basically a whole a whole character's life story and how just very very sad it is uh mm-hmm. unravel right in front of you throughout the course of the episode um and just the the fact that it hit my heartstrings for a character who is essentially a side character or you know a secondary character is impressive especially when they've only been on screen for like two episodes it is something that doesn't happen very often no. i'm trying to think back of something that's happened recently and honestly other i mean i haven't seen this so i can't really say too much but you know, it's one of those things where if you get attached to a character in two episodes and then something happens to off that character, then that's a great character. Because, like, you're going to – you you were attached to it in some way or another, whether you hated that character because they were kind of snarky and you're like, oh, man, this guy's a tool. Or you liked that character because it was like, oh, this character has personality and, it, you know, maybe directly links with your personality. Either way, if 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 a story can make you care about the character either positively or negatively in such a short span of time, that's impressive. That's impressive yeah. writing. Yeah, it is. Well, with that, uh, do you guys want to mention you know Vinland Saga, or should we just move on to which one of these? I ones? mean, the Vinland Saga one's on here because I think Show will agree with me is that it sets up what everything that comes after it so perfectly. Um, it, it's the build up to like the whole prologue, essentially a prologue of a prologue. Um, but it, it just wraps the prologue up really well and then sets up everything that comes after it so succinctly. It's basically a montage of the main character growing up and you see a lot happen and, um, a lot of development happens really quickly and it was quite enjoyable to watch. Uh, so that's why it's there. Awesome. Yep. Well, then with that, we should probably uh, move on to the actual winner here. And uh, it is actually going to go to Demon Slayer, episode 19, Inakami. And um, with that one, (laughs) I mean, come on, guys. It's one of those episodes everybody was talking about. And it's not just that is why we put it on the list. Like, I know me and Sho are going to argue about this. But it's one of those things where it really hit me hard. Like, I watched that entire half of the episode from when that scene starts to the end. Eight times in four days. Like, never have I ever watched something that many times. I don't think I've ever watched more than twice, like, within, like, a month span. It was crazy. I, I love that episode. I would like to say that for all of the awards that we did or we will give out here tonight when we were doing our, our like, nomination meeting and everything, this is the one – this is one of the awards that we debated back and forth about the most. Yeah. Even more than, like, Anime of the Year, I want to say, because it was just one of those yeah. things where – I mean, we really had super strong opinions on it because it just shows like – and this is going back to all of them. It shows how good all these episodes were because yeah. if we ha- if we argue that much, it means we really had passion for wanting this specific scene or this specific episode to win because yeah. it deserves the spot. Absolutely agree. And we all win when that happens because that means we have a lot of good anime that year. So. exactly <laughs> well going on to our next uh, topic here we actually have best animation and uh show go ahead and take it from there well the nominees for best animation are attack on titan season three part two demon slayer fire force mob cycle 100 season two and sword art online alicization so 
What are your thoughts? Bless David production. <laughs> Based mean, on really, what I've seen that's it. of Fire. Sorry. <laughs> Based on what I've seen of Fire Force, it is definitely one of those where I have not seen it. It's in my list. I am going to watch it. But I know that I'm going to enjoy the art style. Like, it's it's just going to be something. And not even just the art style, but the way it's animated. From the scenes I've seen, they just look really good. I know it's so. not finished yet, so I, I don't feel bad kind of judging Fire Force. But I think I'm, I'm with most of the people on this podcast and saying that I'm not still watching Fire Force because of its story. I actually could give two shits about its story at this point. It's very <laughs> mediocre. I'm still watching Fire Force because of its god-tier animation. It's a well, beautiful that's, you know, animation. one of the reasons we watch anime, right? I mean, that's a big part of the reason I watch anime. It's nice if it has a good story, but I'll, I'll stay around for a shitty story as long as it looks phenomenal. Yep, the way they animated the fire in Fire Force is just... When I watched the first episode, literally everyone was talking about it when it came out, and I'm like, okay, fine, I'll watch it. And then I watched it, and I was like, is this even legal? How did they get this? <laughs> How did they do this? <laughs> <laughs> am i in on earth or a different planet i don't know but this was extremely extremely good animation and i also just love the choreography of the fights because this is basically main character is the human torch so he's like flying around the screen every direction so that's fun to watch especially when it's animated well <laughs> uh yeah so great action anime um really worth watching but yes it has a shit plot but just for just for the action, uh, definitely worth watching. Yeah, another I, one on here that was actually really good because it was um, it was one of those things where like so I'm gonna talk about Mob Psycho for just a quick second. It's got a unique art style to it that I was really turned off from, especially like the first season um, going into it because it was like not just the animation part of it, but just I didn't care for the art style, and I've kind of been spoiled on like amazingly animated things like you know fate stay night and limited blade works attack on titan things like that and it was one of those things where season two really knocked it out of the park with the the fights like that was the best part of the show for me honestly like yes there's character development and all that but anytime there was a real big fight it just blew my mind i'm like oh my god they're literally just destroying the entire art that i'm seeing and recreating it from the flame and the ashes of what it shows. Like, if, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If not, then go see it. <laughs> like, what am I talking about? Yeah, Mob Psycho 100 is another show that a lot of people talk about specifically for its animation. Um, I keep... Natai wants me to watch it so bad, and I'm like, please no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good show. I mean, but it is something that you hear a lot of people talk about almost specifically for how good its animation and, like, its fights and shit are. So... I mean, maybe it is worth watching just for that. I don't know. It's one. What can you say? It's only one. So. <laughs> um, All right. I want. I want. I want to hear show defend why he fought so hard to have Sword Art Online on here. It's good. Hey, I liked it too. I would have put it in top five, honestly. Also, it had some amazing scenes with the like the entire underworld fight. Yes. Like, there's a part in it where this guy. Wait. No, this girl, sorry. <laughs> this girl has a tiny, just very kind of short, or not short, but just it's not a big blade. It's like almost like a needle. And this character tries to punch, and the way they show the arm being split in half 
because uh, you don't punch a sword like that straight on, was animated very well. It's one of the things that I always, you know, comes to mind when I see best animation. Like, it was, that's just one example, and that was, like, the entire mm-hmm. show. What stands out to me from that show is um, Alice shooting a laser beam out of her sword and, like, decimating Are you talking about Valley. when she's in the I'm sky? I'm firing yeah. my laser! Burn. Yes, that, that scene was awesome! Amazing. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I love, uh, I mean, Sword Art Online is pretty consistent with its animation and Alicization's definitely All right. been really All right, good. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta fess up here. As much as I shit on Sword Art Online, I was sent a clip of that scene and I watched it and I was impressed. <laughs> there you go. If you can convince Alex that it's good, then it's definitely worth a nomination. I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily impressed with like the story that was going on. Cause I didn't know what the fuck was going on. But oh, it's the so actual confusing. animation like in it, that scene was really good. I like, couldn't try to explain the, the last 12 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's way too hard. Um, definitely want to give a shout out to demon slayer because I love how it combined, um, traditional japanese art into um anime like anime style action uh that was very unique and it definitely worked out for the show yeah i I also think that demon slayer deserves props for one of the things that when you see fights in anime particularly shonen uh go on you don't really get a sense of scale of the fight because you never see like panning shots of the setting where the fight is taking place at and that's something that demon slayer actually does really well it's almost like you're watching these anime fights with a camera that's on a gimbal and it that's something you almost never see yeah like normally that'll be like in he, this guy's standing here this guy's standing here they're probably yeah. going to be standing in those two spots a lot Maybe one guy will jump forward and try and attack, but then he'll he'll be kicked back because it's like, oh, man, I wasn't strong enough with that attack. Let me start charging my actual attack. But in this one, it shows it from all different angles. Like, there was a part yeah. where Zenitsu with, with the spider guy, like, that entire... I remember it showing almost every angle from behind him, from the side, from the other side, even kind of from behind him and above. Like, it got you got to see, like, he's kind of cornered. Like, behind him, there's some trees... And there's one specific tree. He's up against that tree. But behind the other guy, you got to see there's this house that's hanging because it's, you know, in a web. And there's, it's kind of an open area, you know. And you got to see, like, they could fight in this whole spot if they wanted. But each one of them is kind of showing, we don't really need to move from this spot. Like, they still showed it, but they didn't need to. Yeah. And uh, we also have Attack on Titan here because, well, it's Attack on Titan. What else can we say? Um, we just ignore the CG Colossal Titan. It doesn't exist. And beyond <laughs> that, the actual uh, ODM or whatever, maneuver gear uh, action was, as you would expect, amazing. So it just has to be on this list. Dude. <laughs> it's also Studio Win. Of course. Um, yeah. Well, Vinland Saga is not on this list. And so That's apparently true. Studio Win ain't that great. <laughs> um, do... Uh, Yet to be determined. Yes. Um, so I think it's time to announce the winner of yes. Best Animation, which we have chosen as Fire Force. For Woo-hoo! I think Woo-hoo! this is quite um, good one. the obvious choice. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely deserves yeah. that one. <laughs> <clears throat> All righty. So, so I guess we're moving on to the, mm-hmm. uh, the next one here. Uh, this one is uh, kind of unique. It's the Kimono Friends Award for Biggest Industry Fuckery. Uh, if you're wondering what that means, it's basically 
just like it sounds, something that fucked over the industry. Uh, the ones we've chosen for our nominations, we have Anime Expo. You have failed us again. Cancelled, the Vic Mignogna story. Netflix No Homo. Stars Align, they just can't dance, guys. And UFO Table does not know how to pay its taxes. And uh, with that, we should probably explain just you know really quickly which each one of these are. And we'll just we'll just go in order here. Yeah. So who wants to? Explain I want. I, I wrote this. I, I wrote this down as like really clever titles, but yeah, they probably do need some explanation. Um, the, the anime EXO one is kind of self-explanatory. Um, for the last four or five years now, Anime Expo has just utterly been shit on day one and like there's like four or five hour long lines just to get into the building people who i feel bad for people who only get uh day one passes because they get in and they're like they got an hour to do everything and they spend like 40 bucks to get in um it's just anime expo has has overgrown the um has overgrown the venue it's in and it really needs to find a new place or they need to institute uh, attendance caps. That Otherwise, or, is it just going to keep happening? What they could do, because I remember hearing, I, I don't remember which convention did this, but there was one, maybe Comic-Con or something, where they basically split it over two locations um, at mm. the same time. The problem with doing yeah. that, though, is what if you have a special guest? They can't teleport. I mean, we haven't invented that yet. So it's like, how are we supposed to get them from A to B? And what you could do is have it be like, all right, this one happens in March. The next one happens in April. The same people are going to be there. This one's on East Coast, and this one's on West Coast. Oh, wait a minute. We already have that. It's called PAX. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, in my in my personal opinion, Anime Expo needs to find a better venue. And, 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 all, and having attended Anime Expo, it needs to find a better city, too, because LA is a shithole. Oh, dear. Yeah. Washington, Seattle, we'll take you up for SoccerCon. We need more. We need more anime conventions in. Uh, it should, it should in be in the middle of the country. It should be in Dallas. Oh. But no, then I never get to go because like I'm in the far top left. I'm almost where Show is. <laughs> I'm the no, top you're not, right. You're so far away from Show. <laughs> I know, but I'm almost touching the place Show's at. Okay, oh. like if he's in all of Canada and I'm on all in Washington, I'm, I'm the closest. That to is a large. All right, shut up. We're not talking about geography here. All right, so yeah, the next one, honestly, so uh, I'm going to really quickly go over the canceled uh, Vic Mignogna story. Uh, I I know that we originally, or not we, but you guys actually had an episode where you kind of went over it. Long story short, what this was, was a couple uh, voice actors came out and said something along the lines of like, oh, Vic Mignogna has uh, been a predator whatever we're not going to use certain words here but basically they've called him like a predator and a lot of people came out and said oh yeah i've had some experience with him and there was really no evidence of any of it the worst that they could come up with was oh maybe he grabbed this girl's hair and then they show that she's the one that initiated it everything was just kind of a ploy to basically get him kicked out from Funimation, uh rooster not rooster teeth it was um yeah rooster teeth oh it was rooster teeth okay yeah, Ruby. I was thinking Ruby, and I was like, can't be Rooster Teeth. But that, and, you know, it's gone to court. Uh, now it's gone to appeals, because apparently no. Vic lost, because... It is still, like, as of the time of this recording, it's still technically ongoing. It's been so going on kind of, for over a year. We're kind of being crazy. careful about how we're describing this, because there's still a lot we don't know, and there's stuff that still hasn't come out yet exactly. So we, mm-hmm. I, I do want to point out that once all the the dust is settled on this and we actually do have a lot of concrete stuff to talk about, we probably will do an entire episode of the podcast just dedicated to this whole saga and what it's meant and, you know, where it kind of goes from there. 
Yeah, the biggest um, thing that really kind of plays out here is that even though, you know, whether... I, I don't care at this point because we don't have any evidence. There hasn't been any. People saying whether he did it, whether he didn't, whatever. The fact of the matter is that the way the people against Vic, which have named themselves Kick Vic, the way they have, like, treated this whole situation and handled it, like, they have been so immature and it's just ruined the names of these people. And recently Vic had a signing where I think it was over 700 people showed up, which was like, it wasn't even like an anime thing. He just said, Hey, I'm going to be at this location near a restaurant. If you guys want to come get your name signed. And over 700 people came from all over just to get, you know, signatures. Cause everybody kind of is like, you know what? He's a good guy. Well, even if he did do this stuff, look at the way he's acting. Like he's, you know, like he's being a good person, always talking about doing your best, you know, whatever. If you've made mistakes, learn from them. And it's just like, that's the kind of person I want to be involved with, you know. But it's um, also it's also worth mentioning that while the the biggest like accusations against him have been like the sexual harassment and the you know uh, potential sexual assault stuff, um, there were also other allegations that were leveled against him of varying you know severity. Like some one of them was like uh, uh, anti-Semitism. There was a lot of accusations of him being like a fucking diva at conventions he goes to. Which of all the accusations that were labeled were launched against him, the one that's most believable and probably has the most amount of evidence or proof that's been put forward is the fact that he acts like a fucking diva at conventions. Yeah, and honestly, that's okay. Doesn't make him like. Uh, I mean, him and criminal. everyone else in Hollywood, baby, get in line. Yeah. And honestly, based on what he's done in like the last year, just how humble he's been through this whole thing, even that, even though it's the most possible one, I still don't think it's true. I, I honestly think yeah. it's just people who were like, oh man, I'm scheduled to be here the entire time. Oh man, I'm an hour past when I'm supposed to leave. It's like, oh my God, he's a diva. But it's whatever. But anyway, yeah, we, ex- we, should, we should definitely move on from this. Yeah, who wants to explain the Netflix No Homo one? Because I'm going to have to have someone else do that one. Show, we kind of talked about this. I think you were on the episode where we talked about this show, but I can I can do it if you Go want. Ahead. So um, this is basically about Netflix's handling of its acquisition of the uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion uh, anime, the original Evangelion anime from the mid-90s, and how they did a redub and they did new subs, and it takes a couple of scenes between... Well, it changes a lot in the subs. It makes it a more... Um, a more literal translation with the with the subs and the dub as well, um, but it takes a lot of scenes that are done with between the two characters of Shinji and oh my god I've just Kaoru. forgotten his name Kaoru thank you um, and makes it so that there's a lot less homoerotic innuendo um, and it just yeah, I get what they were going for, a very literal interpretation of what's said, but sometimes the literal isn't exactly what you want, and that's what a vast majority of the anime fan base kind of just came together and agreed. It's like, why would you do this? It was already pretty damn good the way it was. Don't change it. Like, Netflix, you had one job. Just take the fucking shit that was on the DVDs and put it on your platform. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Stars Align can't dance. Um, the producers of uh, the anime Stars Align which was in the fall show. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. An anime that aired during the fall were um, basically called out for uh, stealing dance choreography from a couple of different dancers that happened to post their uh, choreographed stuff online. 
for their ending sequence and they were called out for it and to their credit they didn't they didn't even like deny it they just said yeah kind of did sorry <laughs> um and the last one was Fotable doesn't know how to pay its taxes. That's pretty clear cut. Um, Fotable got in trouble with the Japanese government because I guess for years it hasn't been paying its taxes. And um, the executives at the top have basically been pocketing the money off the backs of its animators. Which is pretty bad. <laughs> Which is pretty shitty. I mean, we love yeah. Fotable's animation, but oh God, that's pretty shitty, guys. Well. But anyway, I think it's, it's let's go ahead and give the award. Yeah, so as you can probably tell, because we definitely spent the most time talking about it, the one that we consider the biggest industry fuckery was the Vic Mignogna one. And it really just comes down to, I mean, everybody knew what was, like, everybody has been talking about it, or has talked about it, and knows about it. Everything else here, I mean, I didn't know about the other four, except for kind of the UFO table one. And that was because it kind of showed up in a news thing. And it's just been, it's been mind-blowing that it is still going on. But yeah, going on to the next topic here, we actually have, or not topics, sorry, next uh, award, we have Best Character Design, and uh, once again, show, take it away. So the nominees for Best Character Design are Beastars, Demon Slayer, Dr. Stone, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5, Golden Wind, and Kakegurui Cross Cross. <laughs> Is that actually how you're supposed to say it? It's, uh, well, you actually pronounce it uh, Hot Cross Buns. Okay. Yeah. I just want to say because I believe this is the only uh, award this was nominated for. Some of y'all Beastars fans out there are fucking nasty. What do you expect from furries? Oh my god. Y'all, listen. Just because they're cute don't mean they're gonna fuck. Isn't that exactly what it means? No. Have you never been Some of y'all want Lugosi to do some nasty shit to Lewis. Have you never been on the internet? I mean, to be fair, like, I... I mean, there's been things that I've seen that honestly just kind of makes me go, oh, man, I can't believe they took that. Like, I was looking at something, and then I went to the next screen, and it was like, oh, damn it, somebody already looted Nezco. And I was like, no, why can't you leave this one alone? And when it comes down to cute characters in general, it's like, she literally has it's like, a BDSM gag on her face the entire. <laughs> hey, no, 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 no. There's a very good reason she has that. It's. To add five plus five to cute, okay. Plus five can't to take that off, Otherwise, I was about to say plus five to kinky. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but no, um, in all in all, in all seriousness, uh, like B stars has unbelievably great character design for uh, what it is being anthropomorphized animals, um, and it, it's just. It, it, God, it's so good. Go fucking watch it. Like, yes, it's it's full CGI, but it's so good. I put a cockagrui <laughs> on this one. <laughs> No one else watched Beastars except for Alex, if you couldn't tell. But, yes. Fuck you! I put Kakegurui here because um, I think it's quite unique how the characters basically have a transformation sequence where they go from um, one character design, one art style, to a completely different one. Where, where they go nuts and yes. like, they get all sadistic. And it's just, I I think they do it really well. And I am also... Not even- it's like yeah. yandere mode activated. Yes, um, I'm actually a fan. <laughs> Not of just that, both but... art styles. The it's like the innocent, cutesy, wife-like art style for like all the girls, and then they have the crazy "I will kill you in your sleep" art style. So one thing that I noticed about Kakegurui that was very like, 
I mean, a lot more shows, I think, are starting to do this. But I recognized every character very quickly when they came on screen. I didn't have to go, oh, wait a minute, who was that again? Like, I knew who they were. I knew a family they were part of. I knew basically that's also, where their that's, rankings were. That's doubly impressive when you consider that since this takes place in a school, a lot of them are wearing very similar uniforms. Yeah, a lot of them. I mean, there was one character who he had almost like spiky hair and he was like the only one that didn't have his shirt tucked in. And like, I mean, he was kind of like the thug of the entire cast. And it was like every time he came on the screen, I'm like, oh, man, this guy's going to hike up his leg with his jeans. He's going to be like, yo, what are you talking about? You know, because that's exactly the way he kind of acted. And as soon as I saw him, the very first time I saw him like act, I was like, all right, I know how this character is going to be the entire show. And I, he did not disappoint. He was exactly how I thought he was going to play. Also, shout out to Kakegurui, because all the fucking girls in that show have thick thighs. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have the thigh highs, too, which is like... Yes. Yes. <laughs> we need another thigh below just them. <laughs> but, uh, um... Why don't you talk about uh, JoJo's on here? I mean... I mean, uh, JoJo's is JoJo's. Like, it, it, all the characters are so unique in their designs. They're They're... They're quirky. They're crazy. Um, some of them, like one of the things I love is about Part Five in particular, is that of the main like group, the main the group of main characters, none of them seems to wear a complete shirt. I know like, every of, single one of them. You can see some part of their chest. All of yeah, all of them. You can either see some part of their chest, or like there's holes in their sleeves, or like with Giorno, there's like like there's a heart cut out in his chest. And it's like oh my god, How close they're all it? such pretty boys. How close can we get to showing the nipple without showing it? Is essentially what JoJo's Part Five was. <laughs> it was I like, know, we it's, could it's one very unique thing about JoJo's Part Five in particular. But uh, like every part of JoJo's, every single character is so unique in their design and their it, it's crazy in this. Like, yeah, you know a lot of shonen have gravity defying hair. This this has logic defying hair. Oh yeah, like Giorno's the way he designs his is just like. Okay, so clearly he's using something to keep that stuff up. Oh, but... so that, that's another thing I love about Part 5 is you actually learn that you can have your stand do your hair for you because that's how Giorno does his hair that way. His stand does it for him. That must have been in like the first six episodes because I don't remember that at all. <laughs> when they, uh, because I don't remember. Does he like punch his hair and it like creates it so it looks nice, or does he actually have? No, it, like, with they, a they 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 kind of go into this a little more in the manga, but it is briefly mentioned that the reason his hair turned blonde and has the curls in it is because of his stand. Oh, that must have been early on then, because yeah, I remember watching it, from like episode six on. It's done like, more in the manga, but it, yeah, it's not really you know <laughs> relevant. But just the craziness of everyone's design in in JoJo's is especially part five, and everyone's so like all the guys in it are so gay. Yeah, and I'm not going to go into spoilers on this, but the villain of the show, the – I don't even want to say that that word, but the way they designed him, you know what I'm saying here, both. It was like I loved both of those because it was like you got to kind of see two completely different ways this guy acted. Mm-hmm. And it was just like – I remember when I was watching it um, – the episode where they introduce what he actually looks like. Because you get to see him in the shadow. You don't really know what he looks like. When they showed this character, I was like joking to my friend. I was like, ah, that's the villain, isn't it? That's the main bad guy. 
dude, that's the main bad guy. And then they showed it, and I was like, I knew it! I knew that was the main bad guy. Why would they take so much time on this random character who looks just a little bit like him? And I was like, I knew that was the main villain. Loved it so much. I just He was probably my favorite character design in the entire show. Speaking of um, great villain designs, Demon Slayer um, brought Michael Jackson back to life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Muzan was... Uh, he is just... And we, I don't even know, like, his power level. Like, that's the thing about him. Like, first off, he has a great design. He looks human at times. Other times, he definitely looks like a someone mixed in with a demon. Like, his eyes are just so, so intimidating for a villain. And, I mean... Especially when they took it in the last episode with that one kind of character design. I was like, oh my god, that was a great way. Because then you see it, you immediately see him, and you start going, oh my god. Like, the people who created the designs for that show in general. I mean, we have a Nosuke who's literally just a normal looking character, but you know how we make it better, right? Let's put a boar head on him. Put a boar head on him. Times 10, or plus 10 to awesomeness. (laughs) And then you have... um, I mean, Tanjiro looks fine. Like, we're not going to comment too much on him. He looks like a normal shonen character, except I love how they went to the effort of that, like, scar or that thing on his head. Like, for a really long time, I didn't realize that was permanent. And it was like, oh, so that's part of his actual... It's almost like a birthmark. It might have been a birthmark. I, you know, I originally thought it was a birthmark because of how like deeply ingrained in him in his skin it is. But I, I think it's supposed to be a a, a scar. It could be. I mean, I, I, like I said, I don't know. Um, it's definitely one of those things though where it definitely makes him. They didn't have to do that. Like, no. if you took away the scar, he looks pretty much the same. But then if you add it on, it's just an extra layer of like. This is a person who's been through a lot and, you know, basically like that scar or something or birthmark, whatever, it defines him, you know, and almost nobody else in the show was like that. Almost everybody else was almost like symmetrical in the way you looked at him. It's like their left side kind of matched up with their right side. Even the snake guy with two different eyes, like the rest of his body kind of lined up together perfectly, but you know. You look at Tanjiro and his left side of his head is just like, what happened there? Did you fall into a pit of acid or something? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> did you pull a parasite? <laughs> I also really like the Alrighty. hairstyles in Demon Slayer for many yes. of the characters. A lot of them had dyed tips, question mark. Well, different mm-hmm. color tips. <laughs> oh, God. Not like that. <laughs> um, and even the main character. I mean, it was, it was a decent um, hairstyle. Um, I also really loved the textures they put in the eyes for, as you said, the villain. But like a lot of the other characters, they just had this really gritty texture. Love that too. And I mean, as you said, with um, the boar-headed person whose name I don't know, uh, you know, love the masks. Um, that was really interesting. And in addition, I loved the Japanese uh, clothing. Um, with all the characters it looks so nice so much detail put into it um even though the main character's japanese shawl or whatever i don't know what it is called uh is pretty basic i do really like that shade of green it's just for some reason i like how all the characters especially the main characters are associated with the primary color green isn't a primary color oh yeah you're right (laughs) there's a blue red and yellow Oh my god. 
Um, but yeah. I'm an idiot. <laughs> but um, I'm totally not an artist. <laughs> <laughs> but no um so many reasons or so many parts of uh demon slayer that are aesthetically pleasing um character wise yes. i i really love it yeah all right so who are we something... giving this award to boys yeah who are we giving this to <laughs> hmm? oh we haven't even talked about dr stone though to be fair i'll i'll quickly go over it because i'm the one that really liked it um my opinion of the oh my god the character designs are amazing has gone down a little bit since I rewatched it just you know like a week or two ago. Um, I still really like the character designs, but it's not mind blowing or anything. There's one character who has like a watermelon for her head, and like I really thought that was cute design because I mean the reason why she has it on her head is because you know Doctor Stone takes place thousands of years from now and blah blah blah. They don't have glasses. And so she wears that on her head so she can see a little bit better. It's the pinhole effect. Look it up, whatever. And, uh, I mean, even when they took that thing off, like, she's this really cute-looking character. And they don't rely on her cuteness, though. Like, they put the watermelon right back on her head. And it's like, you know what? I know what she looks like. Still cute design. But they really stuck with the watermelon design. And honestly, props for some of the way that they handled some of these character designs. Because I was like... Ooh, that's not going to stay. Oh, 15 episodes later, you still look like that? Okay. There's an episode, <laughs> or there's a character. Last thing I'm going to mention, there's a character that drove me nuts for like the first couple episodes where he's got blonde hair and brown hair. No, black hair. And it's like the top of his hair is blonde, but his beard is like black. And it drove me nuts because I'm like, how do you even naturally get your hair like that? Like, there's no way he dyed it. <laughs> I was like, they never explained it either. It, it irritated the crap out of me. And I was just like, all right, I'm just going to have to accept this guy fell into a dandelion or something and just pulled out his hair and it just was naturally blonde. I will so. definitely <laughs> say Dr. Stone's characters are recognizable. Yes. If you put them in a lineup. Um, but yes, the winner of this uh, award is, no, to no one's surprise, Demon Slayer. Um, <laughs> for all the reasons that we have already listed. All right. So our next award is for best male character of the year. And the nominees for this award are Arataka Reagan from Mob Psycho 100 Season 2, Askeladd from Vinland Saga, Giorno Giovanna from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5 Golden Wind, Norman from The Promised Neverland, and Senku from Dr. Stone. So I put uh, so. Reagan from Mob Psycho on this list because we've known him as a dirty, nasty con man who has no morals. And we get to see the humanity behind this dastardly person in this season of Mob Psycho. It has a really nice character arc. Um, and you really learn a lot about him. So it was a great development. And... Yeah, great. it was. He was actually in the first season. I I didn't really. I'm not gonna say I didn't like him, but I didn't really care too much for Reagan because he was like, eh, he's whatever. He's a side character, and then of course in the last episode he like uses psychic powers. Yeah, whatever. But season two, that like development of his actual character was like really well done. I knew people were talking about it for a long time, and when I finally saw it, I was like, yeah, I can see why everybody was talking about it. They did a good job, even if it's not like a normal like shonen character arc it's kind of unique yeah 
we also have Norman on this list, which is he is the bestest boy because <laughs> he cares about his friends and he's selfless and beautiful and kind. And that's why he's here. <laughs> and you need more lewds of him, don't you? No. No, 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 no. no, no. Never. <laughs> I don't think I have seen lewds of him. I don't think I've seen lewds of anybody from the show. And now that you said that, Emma. (laughs) There's always lonely hearts out there, don't you? Oh, I know there are. (laughs) How? Whatever. (laughs) The only person that I might be interested in looking up would be like uh, Mama. I guess yeah, Mama, Mother, whatever. Because she actually she had a rocking body. Girl, why is she (laughs) hiding um, it under that nun's garments? You need to know right why. But yeah, and then um, of course we have uh, you know we have Giorno on the list. Ha-ha-ha. Giorno Giovanni, I, you know, I really wanted some JoJo's uh, representation on here, and I went back and forth between like two or three characters, but I eventually settled on Giorno because without Giorno, none of this would have happened. Um, but I like a lot of people who are especially manga readers um, don't really like. Giorno as much because he takes kind of a back seat to all of the other characters uh in JoJo's and to a to a large degree that's true mostly because uh I don't think Araki realized just how overpowered the stand he created was so he had to constantly create ways to get him out of fights well there's um, that entire episode where like the, I'm not going to go into spoilers but when they're on the plane and Giorno does something that you're like oh my god I can't believe he just did that because now what are they going to do like yeah. When that happened, I was like, damn, that's a big sacrifice. You know, that's not something I don't think anybody would just normally do. But, like, that moved him up the tier list for me. He put him almost near the top. I was like, yeah, you know. I mean, mean, I've been on record saying this. Part 5 is my favorite part of JoJo's. You said that about every part leading up to him, though. You're like, this current one is my favorite part. Oh, the next one? I'm caught up to the manga. Like, part five is my favorite part. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, But, um, no, um, I I can't say that Giorno is my favorite JoJo, but he is one of my favorite characters in that show in general. Um, The only other, uh, well, the, the only two other characters that I considered nominating from JoJo's were um uh Bucciolati and uh Narancia. But I ended up choosing Giorno and no one told me no, so <laughs> here he is. Uh, that's a great reason for nomination. Yeah. Going off the one I really wanted on the list was, you know, Senku from Doctor Stone. And it was really a toss up for me between honestly him or really like I mean I I may be the only one that wanted possibly, like, Senku's dad on here. Because his dad literally made it to where memes survived. Like, Doesn't okay, even what's the most... a name. <laughs> he has a name. It's Byakuga, or whatever it is. Byakuga. You keep calling him Senku's dad. Yeah, well, it's because it's... I'm going to keep calling him Senku's dad because it's easier than me going, uh, okay, what was his name again? Uh, Byakia, Byakia, whatever. But back to Senku, because <laughs> that's where my point lies. He was an awesome character because... Yeah, he's fucking so smart, way smarter than any character in anything could ever honestly be. I mean, he's theoretically got so much knowledge in his brain that it's like he can't know all this. There's no way. Like, he had, what, 10 years to read up on all this stuff? And he knows more than people who have spent, like, 40 or 50 years in the science field. That's, you know, unrealistic aside, he actually has a lot of things where he's like, well, we could do that. 
But if we do that, then you guys are going to suffer because of whatever. And then he basically puts his friends before, like, the advantages that he would get if he did it another way. Like, there's a couple different ways that they made certain things that were like, okay, so we could just get these people and trick them. And instead of just tricking them, why don't we get them on our side? You know, we're not tricking them. We're getting them to want to be with us. Because... A man of, like, you know, Senku's age versus someone of, like, caveman age, you could trick the shit out of them and make them do almost anything you want. But he didn't do that. He was very honest about, this is how everything works. And he just did a really good job of, I mean, (laughs) he was a teenager, too. So it kind of helps, you know, almost all the anime we watch nowadays is of teenagers doing things that are like, oh, that's kind of edgy for someone of his age. But I just really liked him. And, uh, yeah, that's all I gotta say about Senku. Speaking of geniuses, our last nominee is Askeladd, who is a genius tactician. Um, love the mind games, love the strategies, love the betrayals, and the triple crossing, and the four-way crossing. And the quadruple crossing, and the pentuple crossing. Love it. Um, never believe what he says, because he's always lying. And that's what I want in a man. So that is, is why he? he's here. <laughs> oh, man. Ask, Ask Lad is the best thing about about uh, Vinland Saga. Like, bar none. Like, Thorfinn's pretty great. And, you know, Thorkill is also pretty great. But Ask Lad is where it's at, man. He's, he's the reason that without him, Vinland Saga would not be anywhere near as good. Definitely agree. He makes the show. He gives it that extra oomph. And with that, I think it's time to actually uh, crown a winner here. So our award for best male character of 2019 is going to go to Askeladd from Vinland Saga. Woohoo! It's amazing. <laughs> it's actually one of those things. I will eventually watch Vinland Saga. I know it's good. I just have like 87 other anime in my list. And if, I, if I'm supposed to watch any of them in a certain order, it's like I should probably get through the ones I've started first. Honestly, I know a little bit about it. it's. It's in like a Viking era, correct? Right? Yes. Okay, that and the fact that I've seen like half of a fighting scene makes me kind of interested in the rest of it. I, I'm excited to actually watch it. It's one of my most like anticipated. Like I'm pretty sure I'm gonna like it. Shows. It's a pretty good show. All right. Yeah. Next award. Going on, yeah. <laughs> so going on to the next award we hear, we have uh, Best Girl. I'm just kidding. Best Female Character, which I suppose you could call Best Girl. And our um, you know nominations we have here is Angela from Carol and Tuesday. We have Dororo from... <clears throat> we have Emma from The Promised Neverland. Nezko Kamado from Demon Slayer. And then Yumiko Jabami from Kakigurui. How do you want to say it? Cross cross? Hot cross buns, honey. <laughs> Hot cross Hot buns, cross whatever. Buns. <laughs> and uh, honestly, out of the ones on this list, because I've seen the bottom three, I mean, we all, you know, we all like those characters, right? But uh, They wouldn't be on this you... list if they weren't good. Oh, no, I know. I'm just trying, <laughs> I'm trying to, like, hint towards, like, talking about one of these three first, because I only know three out of five, so. All right, let's talk about Nezuko, because everyone wants to talk about Nezuko. Ah, yeah. I love how so many different compilations there are of just Nezuko in the background doing stuff. like Or just the noises she makes, like, "Mm hmm, hmm. Yeah, oh, well, she does this thing at the end of every episode where her eyes go, like, into little dots, where she kind of looks, and it's like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, she's just 
confirming what the character said. Like, basically answering the question in the question where it's like, Nesco, I'm the best main character there ever was, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, of course she's going to answer that way. But um, she was a very unique character for... Because I... To be honest, she's the reason I watched the show. What? Like, I would have never touched this show had I not seen a couple of screenshots of her. And I said, fuck it. I'm going to start it. I don't know if I'm going to like it. I have to see why there's so many fucking pictures of this girl. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, she's she's a great character. Um, but uh, there's other ones on the list. I'm kind of trying to get you guys to take over. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I. Emma from The Promised Neverland is the catalyst, basically, for the whole story. Um, if it weren't for her, the story wouldn't even be happening. Um, I think that she's a great example. She's actually a really great example of a strong female character. I mean, despite her age, which she's pretty young compared to, uh, well, maybe not older than Dororo, um, but for for a leading character a lead role she is a really great example of a very strong female character who doesn't she's proof that to be a strong female character you don't have to be physically strong but she is physically strong for a kid yeah for a kid (laughs) i mean compared to the other things in the show i'm pretty sure any adult on the show could probably beat her to to a fucking pulp Uh, in a fist fight depends on the competition well, don't forget, Mama, you know, she kind of did something that was like, oh, okay, she's not messing I mean, around. But like, no... From episode one, one of her qualities is her physical stamina. That's one of her defining qualities. But my, my whole point is that she, she is smart in a in like a, a um, an intellectual way, whereas, you know, she does... She, her strength is really is her in her intellectual strength, not so much her physical strength. Yes, she's a fast runner. Yes, she can, I guess, put up a fight amongst the other kids. But her strength is her intelligence. Her emotional intelligence. Maybe Being able too. to look at something and swallow it and oh, be like, oh what? my god. Like, what show? Hey, whoa, I was, whoa, that, whoa. What? Hold on. No, like being able to look at the situation, being able to swallow what's happening and being like, okay move on like what she's not getting too emotionally attached to something as it's happening exactly when she sees what's happening in the first episode she doesn't just 100 percent freak out she handles it like oh okay so that just happened what do we do next being able to do that is not something every character in that show can do Mm -hmm. like you know especially some of the younger kids i agree we also have angela from carolyn tuesday which I really enjoyed because we got to see so many sides of her. We got to see her at her highest. We got to see her at her lowest. There's the, her character arc was a huge roller coaster. And honestly, she's one of the best developed characters in her own show. And she's also a diva bitch, which I can relate to on personal I also, I, I, one of the things I loved about Angela and Carolyn Tuesday is how like her character as a whole is a really great um, analogy for how the music industry in the West will chew up and spit out people once they're no longer really useful. Definitely. She is analogous to a lot of different celebrities in the West and East, but definitely, yeah. uh, especially in the West. It, it, well, especially people who get into the industry very young. For sure. Um, Dororo's on here. I mean... Dororo is probably one of the best examples of a kid char- writing for a kid character out there. Um, 
it, it's a child who actually acts like a child. Yeah, a little more responsible than your average child, but still has the um, the emotional integrity of a child, has the intelligence of a child, has the fortitude of a child. So you actually believe while while you're seeing this character on the screen, while they may be voiced by an adult, they're definitely a child character. That's one of my issues with with children in, in in anime is that so many of them are written to be way more mature than the actual age they're supposed to be, and with Dororo you don't get that, and it's kind of refreshing to see. Finally, we have Yumeko Jabami, who is a waifu with a naifu. Um, <laughs> but honestly, I loved her for the fact that she goes completely crazy, um, and she just completely and in the most condescending way bullies her opponent into submission and it is a complete I love and that about her. utter joy <laughs> to watch her gloat and laugh in the loser's face as she like licks her fingers in in mm-hmm. excitement it's truly <laughs> truly a uh, a spectacle with her Kakegurui gives you the boot Kakegurui. Oh, definitely. I mean, honestly, she is the show. I mean, the show would not be the same. Yeah, that's her. actually a really great She's point. The... She basically mm-hmm. makes it what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, when the show first starts out, like, they're in the first couple scenes, or maybe the first scene, you get to see all these characters and kind of how they act, and you're like, oh, okay, you're introduced to the world. And then she shows up and then just does this whole, like, oh, shit. She don't play around. Not just that, but she she does that the entire show. When you think you've seen the best of, you know, Yumiko, no, 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 no. <laughs> she hasn't even pulled out, like, one half of what she can do. She can do, I mean, I can't wait to see what they do with, like, a season three of what they're going to what they're gonna do. Because I stopped reading the manga right around where the, uh, uh, the second season of the anime, anime ended. Mm. So everything from this point on is brand new to me. <laughs> So. All right. Shall we give out the yeah, award? So, I was about to say, yeah. So, moving on to the actual, you know, the pick that we decided on. You know, we were just talking about her. You know, Yumiko Jabami. We decided to choose this one simply because, well, she earned it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's probably surprising to a lot of people. A lot of people would probably assume we just go ahead and choose Nezuko, but yeah, that was one of those things where I kind of let me let me put it this way: if I was still watching Demon Slayer, I'd probably want to put her in the list. But that after show, like, I get to see these other characters and kind of look at them, like, without being biased because I'm currently watching the show. I mean, Yumiko kind of deserves it more than anybody else on the list here. She just was absolutely batshit insane this season. It was just, like, not many characters can do that and, like, carry the show on just their own shoulders. But she definitely does. She has a... And as I mentioned before, she got them thick thighs. Oh, yeah. Moving on to the, uh, the, you know... Next thing we have here, we have best voice acting. And one more time, show take it away. <laughs> yes, the nominees for best voice acting are Ryo Suzuki as Dororo from Dororo, Saori Hayami as Yumeko Jabami from Kakegurui Hawcross Buns, Yushitsuku Matsuoka as Inosuke Hashibira from Demon Slayer, Yuki Kaji as Aaron Yeager from Attack on Titan Season 3 Part 2. And Yuto Uemura as Thorfinn from Vinland Saga. I feel like I'll just I'll get this one out of the way. I kind of 
blew the load on it before, but Ryo Suzuki as Dororo, I kind of mentioned it before, like she puts on a phenomenal performance as an actual child character and I, nothing else need be said. I mean, she, she sells the part lock, stock and barrel. And we were just talking about Yumeko Jabami, but um, a really big part of her character was her voice actress. Um, the ability to switch from uh, being kind and innocent and cute to being completely insane and um, a complete bully and a completely competitive, crazy lady. Uh, only You'd have to be a very talented actress to do that, and Saori Hayami definitely does it to perfectly so she deserves on the to be flip here. of a coin there real quickly because she's not on the list but whoever does the english voice for yumiko also did an amazing job there i know she's not on the list i don't know her name i probably should have looked that up beforehand but the fact is yumiko as just an entire no, no matter what voice you're listening to just really nails it in of just how dominant she is when she's in her element like, both voice actors did a really good job of making sure this character feels like, oh my god, I would not want to be in a room with this girl, like, a gun and some kind of gambling, because I know that gun's going up against my head at some point. And <laughs> so it's like, we don't need to, you know, we don't need to have that happen. To answer your question, her English voice actress is Erica Harlacker. Ah, there we go. I don't recognize the name, so, and I honestly didn't recognize her voice either. It was one of those things where I was like, ooh. This is pretty good, and I liked it. And I actually watched the season uh, one and a half times. Once all the way through in sub, then another halfway through dub, just, you know, to get a good idea of it. And that's, you know, just wanted to bring it up there. But, I mean, going on to the next one we have here, Inosuke! Inosuke Hashibira. (laughs) Oh, my God. He was by far my favorite character from the show. Like, it took me a while to really come down to it. I was like, did I like him better? Did I like Nezuko better? (laughs) He's just... Oh my god, he's the fucking best. <laughs> like, he is. Like, he's his someone... antics, his craziness, his uh, his he's kind of stupid too. Let's be honest. Oh, he's he's so stupid. Like the whole part with the train where he's like, "This must be the beast of this land," and then he fucking headbutts it. <laughs> I oh, will defeat so... you, boing. He's so. What's the phrase? I don't want to say innocent. He's so. Um, what's the word naive. when someone doesn't know anything? He's kind of naive. he's kind of he's naive, so naive and ignorant. Yeah, like, oh my god, there, there's that one scene where Tanjiro says something like, hey, good job, Inosuke, and he goes all bubbly, and he's like, you shouldn't say that, you're gonna make me feel too good, or whatever he says. <laughs> he's I a Sundere. <laughs> Ma- yeah, Matsuoka just sells the whole male, male Sundere part of, of Inosuke, and it just, it works so well. Yeah. He basically, like, and, oh man, not not just that part of it, but his whole voice, like, the range that he made that character, like, Mm-hmm. yell different directions it was just like man that must have been a strain every episode he must have had to take like a week off like legit every time he did the voices because that would definitely throw my voice for a loop every time i also love how he oh, yeah sounds for sure like a boar and he looks like one too yeah <laughs> he probably smells like one too now now when he takes that mask off he a hunk are you are you <laughs> implying that boars are not attractive Excuse you. I never said that. Moving on. Uh, yes, we <laughs> also have a Thorfinn here, which I will say is a quality grunter, a quality screamer, and a quality um, gargler. <laughs> he makes a lot of noises, and they are all very uh, textured. 
is what I'm going to say. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. And he's also, his character goes through a lot of emotional trauma and um, the voice reflects that very well. So props to. I, I say Thorfinn, the, the voice acting for Thorfinn really shines in the emotional moments, I think. Yeah. More so than like the, the when he's like um, <clears throat> just talking to people, like when he's like got his eyes red for revenge and he's like, like those moments are done so well. Mm-hmm. And finally, we also have Yuki Kaji as Aaron Yeager, which, yes, he has been playing Aaron Yeager for the past four seasons, because there are four seasons, don't argue with me. But in this most recent season, uh, you could really tell the character development he has experienced through the voice that Yuki Kaji gave him. Um, He just, he's just been slowly changing his voice throughout these seasons, and this last one, can really feel all the emotions that the character is feeling through the voice um he also like changed the tone changed the changed the texture um and a lot of the emotional scenes in uh this season of attack on titan were hit perfectly by yuki kaji so definitely approve of him beca- being a nominee yeah one of also his, helps the best... that you actually have a hard on for his voice i love yuki kaji <laughs> In every possible one way. of the best scenes that uh in in the Attack on Titan, you know this specific season, I guess we'll call it, was right near the end. Maybe it was at the end when he basically looks out and says, "That's where the enemy is." I and mm-hmm. like that that line was delivered so. I can't figure out the phrasing, but it it was delivered so well. We'll say I could feel that it was just like the hopelessness, the yeah. despair. The yeah. sadness in it. He it was, was done. It was I. I love that scene from the manga, and he performed that scene perfectly. The motion yeah. was truly nailed by the voice acting. Yeah, it's one of those things too, where I mean, this character was just he's been through so much shit, and the fact that this voice actor can take that like life and basically reflect it in the voice of just you can tell this character has just been up and down this whole thing. And he's he's so tired of it, but he still gives a great performance in terms of just like, I mean, when he's feeling like it, he is. And I don't know. It's just a great, great, great character, great voice actor. Yep. And um, All right. that is why we have Yuki Kaji as Aaron Yeager as the uh, winner of this lovely uh, award. Because he deserves that. <laughs> 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 and now you have successfully creamed yourself we can move on <laughs> oh yeah all right so the the penultimate award that we are giving out tonight is for best anime movie and the nominees for this one are konosuba crimson legend legend of the galactic heroes the new thesis 2 promare Saga of Tanya the Evil movie. I'm not kidding. That's actually what it's called. And Weathering with You. <laughs> so, um, should we? Let's get the big one out of the way first. Let's talk about Weathering with You because, um, as of the time of us recording this, it's actually out in theaters here in America right now. Um, I actually just got a chance to see it a couple of days ago, and it's it's definitely like pure concentrated shinkai. Um, was it as good or better than your name? I don't personally think so. But was it a good follow-up? Yeah, it's still a good movie. Um, and Shinkai's just got this formula, this adolescent romance 
formula just down to a T. It, it he he's so good at it. It works so well, and he's probably gonna keep doing it. Yeah. The only thing um, I, I've seen here oh, is the Legend of the Galactic Heroes, which is technically a movie because it aired in theaters. Um, mm. To be fair, there aren't many choices for anime movies that came out, but um, this was definitely a uh, lovely story. Um, it is part of a very large saga, um, and it itself is uh, a great telling of a galactic warfare. Um, so if you enter that kind of stuff, would recommend it. Um, I I got to talk for just a minute about Konosuba. Um, <laughs> not so much about it. No, not so much about the movie itself, but for how it was distributed. Um, fuck you, Crunchyroll. I pay for your streaming service. Why isn't it on your fucking streaming service? Wait. So what happened there? Because I thought it was on Crunchyroll. Oh no. So it may be now, but I haven't checked. Um, but Crunchyroll got the the rights to the movie. Um, shockingly, because Country Roll has a fucking allergy to anime movies. Um, and uh, so instead of actually just throwing it up on their streaming service, like, you know, a sane person who runs a streaming service would, they decided, well, let's put it in theaters for one fucking night in America, a night when some people have to fucking work. Just, it, it tilted me. Like, the movie itself is actually pretty good. It, it's, actually, it's a really good movie. I'm surprised because it changed studios. It's not Studio Dean that did it. It was J.C. Staff. Um, they kind of hit it out of the park. Um, I'm hoping that this leads to more Konosuba because I fucking love Konosuba, and so does a lot of other people. I think we all um, do. <laughs> but um, as a standalone movie, I think it's, it's really, really good. Um, as a side, It animates the side story uh, really, really well. Um, and JC staff really hit out of the park. Unlike a lot of the other stuff they worked on this year. Um, fuck you with index season three. Um, but yeah, my, my whole issue with Kunosuba is its distribution and Crunchyroll. You really dropped the ball here. Um, uh, I guess another one I definitely want to talk about cause I saw it five times in movie theaters uh, was Premiere. Um, Premiere was studio trigger. Uh, Studio Trigger's first foray into uh, theatrical anime, and for a first try at making an anime movie, they absolutely hit it out of the park. Um, its soundtrack was amazing. Its animation was really good. Its art style, that was kind of, they took a risk, and they went with a, sh- a cell-shaded art style, and it turned out to be really, really good. Um, it's just the characters are great, um, and the fact that the story takes a lot of cues from Trigger and particularly Hiroyuki Imaishi's previous works outside of Studio Trigger, namely uh, Gurren Lagann, uh, it just it, it just it works. Like the story makes no sense, but the movie as a whole works. And then there's Saga of Tiny the Evil, which was that thing that happened. <laughs> to be fair, I haven't seen any of these, <laughs> so like. It's whatever at this point for me. I mean, I, I'm not even that big of an anime movie fan. Like neither is show. I was kind of alone in this, so I had to. I had to get help from other people. <laughs> in the last ten years, I think I've seen seven anime movies. I mean, Wolf Children, which is probably my favorite anime movie. There's another one. I just can't think of it. I saw Totoro. Uh, yes, I saw it. Okay, it took me forever to get to one of those. <laughs> it was like my anyway. second. It was my second. Oh, it's not Miyamoto. Ghibli. It's, uh, what's, what's the name of the guy? Who Miyazaki. The Miyazaki. I was thinking, like, it's not Miyamoto. Who is it? Uh, uh, other than that, I've seen Kiki's Delivery Service, which 
I don't know. Apparently, people don't like that. But, um, but anyway, uh, the so yeah. I'm just it's, no one really has anything to say because both of you guys really don't watch anime movies that much. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. So we're gonna give the award for best anime movie of 2019 to <gasps> Studio Trigger's premiere. Oh yay! Oh my god, the one you saw five times in theaters. What? The one I saw no five way. times in theaters and definitely don't have a bias towards. Yay! Oh my god. Not, not to take anything away from Weathering You Do. Weathering With You is a great movie, and if you get a chance to see it in theaters, you definitely should. Um, if you don't, I mean, pick it up when it comes out on video, because it's Shinka. If you love your name, you'll love Weathering With You. Okay. I mean, Weathering With You sounds... That sounds like the one I'd probably be most interested... No, t- technically Konosuba, and then that one. But only because I have a bias towards Konosuba. <laughs> so, don't we all? If it was easily accessible, I would have watched it by now. But all right, Marcus, help us put a bow on this. All right, finally... You all know it's coming. Anime of the year. Here are the nominees we decided to go with this year. So we have Carol on Tuesday. We have Demon Slayer, of course. Dr. Stone. Sars and I. And uh, The Promised Neverland. And going off of this, I mean, I have seen three of these. And I honestly do believe that those three, you know, Demon Slayer, Dr. Stone, and Promised Neverland. I do believe those three are in my top, like, probably... Maybe even like last decade, I'd put them in there. Um, I have not seen Stars on my. I have added to the list. It does look like it has potential. I have literally no idea, other than the fact that there's frogs or something in the thing. <laughs> Excuse you. It's <laughs> I don't really know. Kappa. Oh God! Whatever. They're frogs. I don't care. Wow, offensive. <laughs> um, I I do want to point out because people who. Um, are listening to this might ask um we did make a conscious decision with our nominees for anime of the year to not include any sequels so that's why you don't see them in here like no um, jojos no jojos no attack, no on, attack titan. on titan i mean yeah. as good as these things may have been we actually did make a conscious decision not to include sequels um yeah. in this year's anime of the year list um we don't know if that'll be a, a staunch thing going forward but it is something we decided to do for this year and we may end up doing that going forward for our uh award shows um i mean we've talked about a lot of these uh quite a bit so far probably the one we haven't talked about the most is probably dr stone um and sarah zenmai so i mean should we focus on those first sure sure i mean i'll just give a really quick i mean synopsis of why i love dr stone so much and why i wanted it on the list um, please be quick <laughs> oh i am I oh i know i know <laughs> when it comes down to it I, i'm not completely biased in this but i do like science I'm a very science-focused guy with how things work. So a show entirely dedicated to science from the ground up is like my entire, like, every game I love playing involves starting from nothing and creating this massive amount of whatever. And Dr. Stone was like that in visual form. It was like, what if we made a, uh, almost like a Minecraft into an anime? Minus the blocking part of it, you know what I mean? So it's... I mean, I loved it so much. I loved all the characters. The soundtrack was amazing. Um, it has that awesome in-episode, uh, insert song near the end. And, uh, I mean, everything about... And then, and then they have a second season coming, too. Like, they literally ended it, like, about to lead right into season two. Like, a lot of anime won't do that. Like, the way ReZero, which is coming out in a couple months, the way ReZero decided to do their thing was they ended it as if it didn't, you know have any continuation it's like this is kind of how it should end dr stone was like we know we're getting more so let's go ahead and put all our efforts into making the end of the show awesome 
And that's why I love Dr. Stone so much. So why don't you guys talk about Sarah and Mike? <laughs> well, I think show should because he was the one that convinced me to watch it. That's right, Alex. All my fault that you love it. No, um, I really love Sarah and Mike because um, what makes it unique is that it has very creative directing, very creative storytelling. They scatter the plot to the four winds and it's up to you to pick up the pieces and figure out what the hell is going on. Um, it's very art house. Um, very obtuse um, and the way they arrange the plot it's such that um, you have no idea what's going on until the end of the episode when it all makes sense and there's a big oh so that's what happened plot twist and it's really uh, satisfying to have that happen uh, very entertaining as a viewer to see that happen over and over again for all the episodes um, not to mention you know there's lot of very graphic elements graphically sexual elements um there's musical elements it's just all over the place say graphically sexual what you mean is homoerotic there's homoerotic elements there's it has a lot going on for it um it's a huge wild roller coaster ride and it's it is a really great show honestly um really short only i think 12 episodes um and it packs a huge 11. punch it's 11 episodes okay. but uh, one thing i love about the writing of sarah zenmai is that it doesn't uh, you mentioned that there's a huge plot to the end that kind of uh ties a lot of it together mm-hmm. the writing is done in such a way where it doesn't assume that its audience is stupid. It assumes they're smart enough to figure out that, you know, to to be able to piece some of it together as you're going along and also be patient enough to get to the end and say, Oh, so that's how it is. Yes. That's, that's what that's, it's so good. Like, you know, I, it's not for everyone. I get it. Um, especially if you're easily repulsed by some gross stuff. Um, but it's, it's definitely worth checking out and it's, it, it just the, the payoff is so good at the end most definitely so um <laughs> i think is there, i mean we talked a lot about carolyn tuesday and demon slayer we probably haven't talked as much about the promised neverland um great mystery story great thriller elements to it um phenomenal characters and character development throughout um the way it just peppers you with more and more mystery uh, the mm-hmm. further it goes along, and you know, an answer to one question will yield five more questions. That was one of those shows, honestly, where when I was, I absolutely blasted through it, like because I didn't really hear about it until I think the eleventh episode was out, and then I gave it a shot. And the only reason I did is because one of my friends was like, "Dude, have you heard of this show?" And I'm like, "I mean, I've heard of it." And he was like, "Bro, like, he gave me a one sentence description, like that was very curt." That I was like, hmm, sounds kind of interesting. And then I started to watch it, and I was just like, okay, okay, I don't know where we're going with this. And then by the end of episode one, I was like, holy shit, this is going to be an awesome ride. Because the way they lead up to it is nobody knows what's going on in this show. Only people who do are like the two people who see it happen and the viewer. So nobody knows about it except for those people. And it's just one of those things where... It just gets better. Like, you start to have these threads of, like, okay, well, this character knows this, but this character may be, you know, a backstabber. But maybe not. We don't really know. They may be double, you know, whatever. And it's just, like, back and forth. Oh, then a new character shows up, and it's like, oh, she's probably just whatever. Turns out she's even worse than the main character. And it's just, like, it gets, oh, man, there's so many little things that drive this show. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's a great, honestly, like, when I got to the last, I had to wait two days 
to finish it out. I was so pissed. I was like, this is why I don't like watching anime weekly anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something that's that's good for binge watching. It has to be said. Watching this week to week was definitely excruciating at times. Oh, I'm sure it was, especially that cliffhanger. The real cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. Funny. A literal cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we've talked so much about Demon Slayer, it seems like redundant to even go over it. I mean, show. do you want to talk briefly about Carolyn Tuesday, about why it's nominated? I mean, it was nominated and won the best soundtrack, and that's really all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there was a phrase I used. There was a phrase I used when we did our uh, spoiler guest was that it was a flawed masterpiece because yeah, it's not perfect. Um, it has its hiccups here and there, but it, it it I think that's just the best way I can describe it. It's a flawed masterpiece. Um, honestly, okay. it has spectacular music, um, and that's what carries the show. For that alone, I would recommend watching it. Um, it has an interesting story. It kind of lacks in character developments um, for the main characters. Um, but overall, it's an enjoyable ride. So it's pretty good. Yeah, it, it, Carolyn Tooth is one of those things where uh, the main, the two main characters get less, in fact, very little character development. But yet all the characters around them seem to get developed so much more. By all the characters, you mean Angela, then yes. So like the supporting Well, I mean, cast. there were other characters, too, Are that there? got developed pretty good, too. I yes. think Angela's the only one that matters. Um, to you. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we talked ad nauseum about Demon Slayer, so it seems redundant to even go into it. So, Marcus, why don't you shock the hell out of everyone and tell them what our anime of the year is? All right, well, to top it all off, we have decided to give it to Sarah Zenmai, and that is because Yay. it's got frogs in it. <laughs> they don't lie. Frogs. That is a lie. <laughs> to be Cat- fair, I've seen one thumbnail from an episode, so that's where I'm getting the idea they're um, frogs. <laughs> but yeah, it, like like we mentioned, it's just it's a complete package. Great animation, great art style, great uh great great OP, great E D, um, phenomenal writing, great dialogue, good voice acting. It's just, it's so good. And it's only 11 episodes. And yeah, a lot of people might be shocked by this because every outfit in their mother is going to give anime of the year to Demon Slayer. And does it deserve it? Yeah, it really does. Um, it's a phenomenal anime. It's a phenomenal shonen. It's one of the best shonen that's come out in quite a while. But just, we wanted to give it to something that probably didn't get as much play or attention while it was airing, or even now, that it deserves. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, while that shouldn't be the precedent for every time you give an award, because otherwise the ones that do deserve it, you know, get shafted because, well, this was so good that we just we just can't give it to it. Honestly, when it comes down to it, every everything else on this list is, you know, basically one something, except for Dr. Stone. <laughs> <laughs> so just, salty. Well, actually, I don't think Promise Neverland won anything either. No, Promise Neverland got four nominations and didn't win anything. Hey, former nominations um, is nothing to scoff at, so that means it was up there every single time, yeah. or maybe yeah. every time. <laughs> so that, overall, though, is a uh, thing to you know wrap it up. This has yeah. been a great year of anime. It was. I I always ask that at the end of our awards show whether everyone thinks it's a it was a good, bad, or meh year for anime. I think a lot of people will agree that this was a really good year for anime. We had some good stuff come out, and a lot of fresh, uh, a lot of fresh stuff, a lot of fresh animation, a lot of fresh music. And um, 2020 so far is shaping up to be the year of the sequel. So yep. <laughs> we'll see if all that continues. But yeah, that's been our our 2019 award show. 
uh, here's to another great year of anime going forward. Thank you all there for dropping in to listen to us. We hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy bringing this to you. And thank you to Marcus for coming back and doing this. It was a, it was a surprise to have you back, but uh, it was good for you yeah. to come back and join us. <laughs> yeah, no, it was awesome too. It was very fun. Um, it's one of those things where when I kind of left originally, it was I had a lot of things going on. I just it was not possible for me to keep doing the show. And it was one of those things where over time, I just, that entire time frame afterwards, I just wasn't interested enough in anime to be watching it at a, you know, consistent rate to even really kind of get on the show. But this last year I watched a lot. I was like, you know what? I think this might be the year I need to kind of, people need to hear this opinion, <laughs> but uh, no, but it's one of those things where I just really wanted to drive home how good of a, you know, selection of crop we had this season. This not just this season, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, I mean, yeah, you meant the year, but yeah. All right. So if you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. If you want to keep up with what we're doing, you can join us on discord, Facebook, Twitter, and our website. Shoot us an email. If you have any questions or if you have ideas for topics you'd like for us to talk about in the future, links to all these things will be down below in the description. As always, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, everybody. Good night. Good night. Come on.